Good morning. We want to welcome you to East LJ Baptist Church this morning. We're so glad you're here. It's an exciting morning. We have our children's Christmas play in just a few moments. And so we just want to tell you we're glad you could join us for worship today. And we are here to enjoy our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Through the gospel, we have seen God's grace and mercy and love in Jesus. And we've been captivated by Him. We pray that you will see His beauty and enjoy Him along with us today. Uh, I want to pray for us, but right before I do that, let me read Galatians, a couple verses. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because Christ came, because He was born... Uh, on that first Christmas morning, we have a Savior. You can be redeemed from your sins. That's what this season is all about. That's what the Christmas play that you're about to enjoy is all about. And so that's our invitation to you from the very beginning. Come to Christ today. Know Him as your personal Lord and Savior. Let's pray together. Father, we thank You for this Lord's Day. Thank You, Father, for the freedom and the privilege to gather in the name of Jesus Christ and worship Him freely this morning. Thank you, Father, for each one here. Father, thank you for uh, the reality that you know us inside and out. And God, for every person in this room right now, by your Spirit, you see us and you know us. You fully know us. What no one else knows, you know. What no one can hear us think, you hear. And yet, God, you love us fully. You sent your own son to live, die, and rise from the dead in our place that we, who live as your enemies, can be your children. We praise you for such love. Father, we thank you for our children. We thank you, Father, for the privilege to celebrate Christ's birth and to be led in worship by them. Father, I thank you for those that work with our children and Father, especially, we just praise you for um, the joy of this morning and this time. So be with the kids as they sing. Be with us. May our hearts unite in worship of Christ. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Before the children come, just want to give special thanks to, uh, especially Miss Katie Mayfield, uh, without whom this whole thing couldn't have happened, and also Julie and Marnie and others that have been assisting so thank you so much, ladies, for all you've done to make this morning possible. It came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed, and all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn.
And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them with glory that shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angels said unto them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born unto you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven on, and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. angels had left them and gone into heaven, the Lord, the, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about.
Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. They opened their treasures uh, and presented him with gifts of gold and incense and myrrh. More than 2,000 years ago, God sent Jesus Christ to be our Savior. Jesus Christ was born to save us from our sins, born so we could be born again and return to live with God someday. Let us rejoice greatly this Christmas season for unto all of a Savior is born.
How about one more round of applause for that? <laughs> um, so this morning, we have a special recognition time. Uh, so on December the 1st, Brother Chad celebrated his 10th year as our pastor. And so Chad and Betsy, if y'all want to come up here for a moment. You know, a lot of times that 10 years seems like a long time. And um, having served on the pastor search committee that called Chad that lasted like two and a half years, maybe we're getting close to getting our investment back. So, um, <laughs> so all the little sheep and goats and angels and stuff made you cards and everything. Betsy, we have you, Poinsettia here. And um, so we're going to make you open this okay. right here, okay? So, so we, ha we have some gift cards. I'll just tell you that piece on the front there. But, but what's in the bottom you need to open. <laughs> I feel like I'm being set up because huh? I, I know him after 10 years. Would I do that? Yes, he would actually, but this is not bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you'll have to look at the bottom of the thing in the green there. All right, let's see what we got here. I mean, what we got here is a turkey call. So, I mean, it can't be bad. So you can sit in your recliner and entertain Betsy. Oh, yeah. If you can learn. But we had it engraved on the back. Oh, man. And, uh, nice. If you don't know, Pastor Chad is an avid, avid. Oh, wow, it's got my name on it. Thank you for 10 years of service to EEBC. How special. Thank you, guys. Man, that was Let's give him and Betsy awesome. a round of applause. Thank we you, love guys. you guys. Love y'all. Thank you. And very grateful for you. Well, we're thankful for y'all. Amen. Thank you. And uh, it's, I, I was afraid he's going to say it. Uh, feels like 10 years, but <laughs> I'm thankful to have been here, to be here and uh, that long and just thankful for the, uh, the way God's at work in his people. And uh, it's, a, it's a joy to serve y'all. It's, uh, it's just exciting to see what God is continuing to do. Uh, in the body of Christ and through the body of Christ. And, you know, the reality is um, if things are working right, then every part is contributing to the body. And um, I'm just one part, and I'm thankful to be part of you. And so thank you for, for that. <laughs> thank you all. Okay, they say you should never follow a kid's act. So... Uh, this is on you. Please stand with us. Let's sing together. We're going to sing Go Tell It on the Mountain. Uh, and if you don't sing loud enough, we'll stop and make you do it again. So <laughs> join us as we sing uh, Proclaiming the Gospel of Jesus.
Father, how we thank you for the good news of the gospel. Thank you that we do have a story to tell. We have the best news that's ever happened on planet Earth. and That is that God so loved the world that he sent his only son to save us. Father, we praise you for this time of year. We praise you. That you sent your son, he came and lived, died and rose again, all for our salvation. And Lord Jesus, you ascended to heaven, you're at the Father's right hand even now, ruling and reigning as Lord over all. And one day you're coming again. And one day we will all be together as your people in your presence forever. We'll reign with you, Lord Jesus and for that day we long. Help us to understand just a little bit more from your word about the beauty of Christmas and the beauty of your plan to save the world through him. We pray you'd be our teacher now, Holy Spirit. Thank you for the, the Bible, the scriptures. And we pray that you would open our eyes and may we see Jesus this morning. We ask it in his name. Amen. Amen. Turn with me in your Bibles this morning to 2 Samuel. Find 2 Samuel chapter 7. We're going to be all over the place, but that'll be sort of a central uh, text this morning. 2 Samuel uh, chapter 7 is where we'll be. We continue this morning to celebrate this Advent season. Advent is when we slow down to remember Jesus' first coming. The word Advent means coming, and we anticipate His second coming. 
we're taking some time this year to marvel in a fresh way at God's eternal plan of salvation that unfolded in history in the fullness of time. And as we've said the last couple of weeks, that phrase, in the fullness of time, it implies something. It implies that a point in time has come when everything has unfolded and come together so that what was planned has happened, and it's happened right on time or in the fullness of time. And so the point of that phrase at Christmas time is very simply this. The coming of Christ didn't just up and happen. Christmas, the birth of the Savior of the world, was perfectly timed fulfillment of God's eternal plan to save a world of rebel sinners like me and you. We read it earlier, but Galatians 4 and 5, chapter 4, verses 4 and 5 says this, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. What Paul's saying in those two verses is very simply this. Everything he, everything he talks about that Jesus has done, it was planned by God. And when the fullness of time had come, when everything came together throughout human history in the plan of God, it was in that moment that Jesus was born. The Son of God was born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law that you and I, who were formerly enemies of God, might be made sons and daughters of God, that we might receive adoption as sons. Grace has always been in the heart of God. As we've seen in the last, over the last two Sundays, ever since the fall, God has been sovereignly orchestrating human history to fulfill His gospel promise in and through Jesus Christ. We looked at that first promise of Christ's coming in Genesis 3.15, where as, he's, as God's cursing Satan, he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring, and speaking of the offspring of woman, the seed of woman, he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. He shall crush your head, some translations say. And this is the first preaching of the gospel, if you will, by God himself, who says, my son, that the offspring of woman will come and crush you, Satan, in the end. Last week, we looked at the promise of Christ coming in the Abrahamic covenant. We were in Genesis in several different chapters, and then finally in Galatians chapter 3. And, and what we saw was that through the Abrahamic covenant, God continued to sovereignly orchestrate human history to build a nation and fulfill His gospel promise through Abraham's seed, who we saw to be Jesus Christ. Galatians 3.16 says it this way, the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. Scripture does not say, and to seeds, meaning many people, but, to, but and to your seed, meaning one person, Paul says, who is Christ. In other words, back in Genesis, when God made that promise to Abraham about his seed, singular, Paul says God even back then was looking forward and speaking of Jesus Christ who has come. We looked at last week 
uh, and we're going to glance at it again, the genealogy of Jesus as given in Matthew chapter 1. We're just going to read verse 1 this morning. Matthew 1 verse 1 says this, This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And he goes back all the way through the line of Jesus. Last week, we were focusing on Jesus, the son of Abraham, the seed of Abraham. This week, we want to talk about Jesus, the son of David. Uh, The title of today's message is The Promise of Christ Coming in the Davidic Covenant. So back at the fall, the first promise of Christ's coming, that would crush the head of Satan. In the Abrahamic Covenant, the, 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 the promise of Christ's coming. Now in the Davidic Covenant. And what we're going to see in 2 Samuel 7, 1 to 17 is this, that through the Davidic covenant, God continued to sovereignly orchestrate human history to establish not a nation now, as he did under Abraham, but a kingdom. And, to there, there, and, and, and to, in that way, fulfill his gospel promise through David's son, Jesus Christ. Roughly a thousand years before Jesus was born, God made a covenant with King David. Now, at this point in 2 Samuel uh, chapter 7, King David had established the city of Jerusalem as his home, and, and God was blessing his reign, and he had built for himself uh, a fine palace. And we pick it up in chapter 7, verse 1, 2 Samuel 7, verse 1. Now, when the king lived in his house, and the Lord had given him rest from all his surrounding enemies... The king said to Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar. And if you go back and read the description of, 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 of David's house, it was quite a house. I mean, he built a big mansion for himself. I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells in a tent. You'll remember the, 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 the tent of meeting, the, the, the tabernacle that traveled with the people of Israel wherever they had gone. Now they're in a city, they've stopped and they've settled in the city. David's built himself a home, and he said, but God still dwells in a tent. And Nathan said to the king, go, do all that's in your heart, for the Lord is with you. But that same night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan, go and tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, would you build me a house to dwell in? I have not lived in a house since the day I brought up the people of Israel from Egypt to this day, but I've been moving about in a tent for my dwelling. In all places where I have moved with all the people of Israel, did I speak a word with any of the judges of Israel whom I commanded to shepherd my people, Israel, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? God said, Ever ask for a house? Now, therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, that you should be prince over my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you went, and have cut off all your enemies from before you. And I will make for you a great name, like the name of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and will plant them so that they may dwell in their own place and be disturbed no more. And violent men shall afflict them no more, as formerly from the time that I appointed judges over my people Israel. And I will give you rest from all your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, 
I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men, with the stripes of the sons of men. But my steadfast love will not depart from him as I took it from Saul, whom I put away from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. In, all accordance, in accordance with all these words and in accordance with all this vision, Nathan spoke to David. Short version of all of that is this. David's living in a palace and he, and he, and he talks to Nathan good friend of his, prophet of God, and he says, you know, it doesn't make sense. God needs a house. Uh, we should build a, a temple for, for God. And Nathan thinks, well, that makes sense. Go for it. Well, that night God comes to Nathan, and he says, nope, not the plan. Not yet. And he tells Nathan to go tell David, David, you're not going to build me a house, but I am going to make a house for you. I'm not going to build a home for you to live in, but I'm going to make a, a dynasty for you. I'm going to establish a kingdom through you. Now, as you read through there, you, you, you understand um, God said he's going to discipline his son uh, when, he, when, he, when he sins and commits iniquity. You understand David had a son named Solomon, and, and there was other heirs who sinned. We're looking at, the, at his final heir, uh, Jesus himself, who never sins. So some of, the, this, some of these prophecies, at points, there are things talking about immediate fulfillment. Solomon, who sinned and had to be corrected. And then other parts that apply specifically to Jesus. But he said, you want to make me a house, but here's the deal. I'm going to make you a house. I'm going to make you a dynasty. Through your offspring, I'm going to establish a kingdom. And your throne will last forever. There will be someone sitting on the throne of David forever. And your kingdom will never end. So David's offspring, according to this text, according to this Davidic covenant, the covenant God made with David, his own flesh and blood would build an everlasting house and dynasty for David, and he would reign as king forever. Here's how it happened. Luke chapter 2, verse 1. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of who? David which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. David's seed that would ultimately fulfill the Davidic covenant came in the birth of Christ. Mary, 
when the angel first told her that she would soon bear the Son of God, she realized that God was fulfilling the Davidic covenant through her and her son. And in Luke chapter 1, verses 30 and following, it says, when the angel comes to, to tell her what's, what's coming, the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. Listen. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Those words, that language didn't just pop up in the mouth of the angels. It was the angels looking back and remembering, referring back to, reminding Mary of the Davidic covenant that was made with David about Jesus a thousand years before it ever happened. Well, how is it that Jesus, unlike any of the other kings in the Davidic line, any of, other, any of the other uh, sons of David, how is it that Jesus could reign forever? Here, here's the deal. Every other son of David, son, grandson, great-grandson, great-great-grandson, right on down the line, they're all dead. So how is it that, that Jesus could reign forever? Well, in Matthew 22 Verse 41, Jesus himself, as he is talking to the Pharisees, tells us. And he explains the Davidic covenant. He says, I'm the fulfillment of the Davidic covenant. And you ought to, you ought to have known that, 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 I, that Messiah would be the fulfillment of the Davidic covenant. Matthew twenty-two forty-one says, Now while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them a question, saying, Who do you think, or what do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? Now here's what they knew. They said to him, the son of David. They had that part right. They, they knew that. But then Jesus says, How is it then that David, in the Spirit, calls him Lord, saying, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If then David calls him Lord, how is he his son? And no one was able to answer him a word, nor from that day did anyone dare to ask him any more questions. Jesus explains the Davidic covenant in a way they couldn't follow, in a way they didn't comprehend. Jesus, there quoting Psalm 110 verse 1, is saying about the prophecy God gives to David, that the prophecy God gives to David, it, that it's about more than David. It's about David's son, Jesus, the Messiah, who would also be much more than just David's son. He would be the son of God, that prophecy in Psalm 110 says. God incarnate, God in the flesh, so that he is addressed as Lord, even by God himself. And thus, as God in the flesh, as the son of God made man, he was able to be the Savior of the world, the Savior of Israel and all nations. And as the eternal Son of God, Jesus, who died and rose from the dead, can now reign as King of kings and Lord of lords, listen, forever, forever and ever on the throne of David. And that's exactly what we see in Revelation chapter 22, verse 16. Listen to what Jesus says about himself again. In Revelation 22, verse 16, I, Jesus, 
have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. I'm who God was talking about when he told David, I'm going to build your house and your kingdom. One of your own offspring, one of your own flesh and blood will always sit on the throne of your kingdom, and your kingdom will never end. Back in the beginning of chapter 22 of Revelation, it says this. John speaking says, Then the angel showed me the river of water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit in each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it. Who's sitting on the throne? The Lamb. Who is the Lamb? Jesus. Who is Jesus? The Son of David. And His servants will worship Him. They will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no lamp of sun, uh, no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign. They will reign. You know who they is? Me and you, if we're believers in the Lord Jesus, they will reign forever and ever. As Jesus reigns forever on the throne of David, in the new Jerusalem, on the new earth, all who have trusted Him as Savior will reign with Him, basking in the light of His glory forever. This is our eternity. This is our certain hope if we know Jesus today. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that a beautiful thing? God made this promise to David. You hear that promise? We know Solomon did build God a temple. And yet in AD 70, God allowed that temple to be torn down. Why? Because he established a new temple. It's called the church of Jesus Christ. The body of Christ. Made up of of Jewish and Gentile believers. Those who trust Jesus from the world over. We now are His living temple. But one day we will reign with Him. When He comes back. When, the new, when, the, when, 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 when this earth is destroyed and, 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 and there's a new earth. New heavens and new earth are made. The new Jerusalem comes down. Even the bride of Christ comes down. And Jesus, the Lamb of God, is in her midst. And is her light. And he sits on the throne and reigns. We'll reign with him. And King David, for eternity, will have an heir on the throne. An heir who is the Savior of the world. Even the Son of God. What a powerful, powerful truth. That's why we get so excited at Christmas time. That's why we need to hear kids and adults as, as you sang, Go Tell It on the Mountain. That's why we need to sing, not just at Christmas, but the, the year round. This is the plan of God for our salvation. And that's why Paul, while preaching to Jews in the synagogue of Pisidian Antioch in Acts chapter 13, that's why he proclaimed there. He, he's going through, he's talking to Jewish people, he's in the synagogue. And, and we just kind of pick it up midway here. He kind of has been going through Israel's history. And in verse 22 he says, Of God, God raised up David 
to be their king, of whom he testified and said, I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart who will do all my will. Of this man's offspring, God has brought to Israel a Savior, Jesus, as he promised. Verse 28 of Acts 13 goes on. And though they found in him no guilt worthy of death, fast forwarding from Jesus' birth, to the, day, to the moments just before his, hours just before his death, they asked Pilate to have him executed. And when they had carried out all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. And for many days he appeared to those who had come up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are now his witnesses. And we bring you the good news that what God promised to the fathers... What God promised to Abraham, what God promised to David, what God promised to the fathers, this he has fulfilled to us, their children, by raising Jesus. As also it is written in the second Psalm, Psalm 2-7, you are my son, God, today I have begotten you. Verse 34, and as for the fact that he raised him from the dead, no more to return to corruption, he has spoken in this way in Isaiah 55 verse 3, I give you the holy and sure blessings of David. Therefore, he says also in another psalm, Paul says, you will not let your holy one see corruption. Psalm 16 verse 10, Jesus died, but he didn't rot. Because three days later, God rose, raised him from the dead. For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep. He died and was laid with his fathers and saw corruption. He rotted. But he whom God raised up did not see corruption. And then Paul says this, hear these words. Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man... Jesus Christ, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you, and by him everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. And that means something for you and for me. Today, you too can know the holy and sure mercies promised to David. You can know the mercy of God through faith in Jesus Christ. What does that mean? You can have the forgiveness of sins, all of your sins, by trusting in Jesus, who died, rose, died, was buried, and rose again. When he died, he paid for your sins. When he rose again, it proved that the payment was in full. And he defeated the penalty of sin. You too can be freed, as that verse says, from all of sin's condemnation and power by faith in Jesus. Everything the, the law of Moses couldn't free you from. You know, all the law of Moses, all God's law, all it could ever do was tell us how sinful we were. It never helped us become holy. It, it never helped us change inside. It just showed us our need for a Savior. And yet Jesus has come to free us from all of sin's condemnation and its power. By grace, Paul says, through faith you have been saved. Through faith in Christ, by grace you've been saved. It's a gift of God. That's how, that's how you receive forgiveness. Uh, the Bible says if, we, if we're in Christ, there is therefore, Romans 8, chapter 8, verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation 
No more condemnation. Past, present, future, there's no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. How does God do that? Well, Jesus lived a perfect life for us. He fulfilled that law that condemned us. He fulfilled it in our place. And God takes his perfect obedience, and when we trust him, he credits his righteousness to us. At our very best, we're lawbreakers bad. Amen? I mean, James said if you break the law at one point, you're a lawbreaker. (laughs) Anybody ever just sinned once? Yeah, don't even... (laughs) Your hand may disappear if you raise it at this point. And yet, God gives us 100%. Ephesians 1 says we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. If you trust Christ, God says 100% righteousness from Jesus to Chad Kelly. And from that moment on, you know how God's seen me, even though I continue to sin, because of the righteousness of Christ, he has seen me as righteous as Jesus is. Doesn't mean I am in practicality. There's another verse that says he's working on that too. He who began a good work in me will complete it. He's, he's changing me little by little. But legally, he counts me 100% righteous in Jesus. And then Jesus went to the cross and he died the death my sin and your sins deserve. God poured out all of his wrath and justice. He's a just and holy God. Sin cannot go unpunished. And so Jesus, God said, I'm going to give my son. The, the, the kids quote it. How did God love the world? How much did God love the world? In what way did God love the world? He gave his own son. And he said, for you to pay for your own sin would be everlasting hell and torment. That's the cost. But I love you. And so I'm going to pour all of my wrath out on the only one who can bear it and come out the other side. My sinless son, the spotless lamb of God, who through his death, takes away the sins of the world, pays my debt in full. He was buried, and on the third day, he rose from the dead, and it was, it was like God's amen to Jesus, it is finished on the cross. He, wrote, he raised him from the dead, saying he paid the price in full, and he is the, the only perfect, sinless Lamb of God. He's the Son of God, and he has power over death. He rose from the dead. He overcame the enemy of death. And he overcame Satan as well. So hear me, you can be free from everything that you couldn't be free from. You can't be free from on your own. You can have forgiveness of sins. For when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth the Son, born of woman, born under the law to redeem you who are under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. It happened. When the fullness of time had come, it happened. He came. There's a Savior. There's a Redeemer. There's a way for for enemies of God to become adopted sons and daughters, just like He promised there would be in the Davidic covenant. A thousand years before Jesus was born in Bethlehem, the city of David. Through the Davidic covenant, God continued to sovereignly orchestrate human history to establish a kingdom and ultimately fulfill His gospel promise through David's son, Jesus Christ. The prophet Isaiah 
familiar passage this time of year, especially Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7. Through the prophet, God spoke. And he says, for to us, to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. Listen. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. And the zeal of the Lord Almighty has accomplished this. Unto us a child is born. That child grew to be a man who today, through simple faith in Him, can be your Savior. Will you trust Him today? If you're here today and you don't know Him, will you trust Him today? And let me just ask you a better question. Why would you not trust Him today? Unless you think you don't need a Savior. The Bible makes it clear all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And because of that, the wages of our sin is death. There, there are no exceptions. Will you trust Him today? He so loves you. Don't miss His grace because of pride or self-righteousness, all of which is a, a lie, by the way. You're lying to yourself. We all are sinners before holy God in need of a Savior. Trust Him today. Brothers and sisters in Christ, believers in the Lord Jesus this morning, man, are you not encouraged are you not encouraged? Is, is not the assurance of your faith in Christ strengthened? Is not your eternal hope in Jesus deepened? As you see how the Davidic covenant, given a thousand years before Christ, was fulfilled and is continuing to be, to, to, to be fulfilled in the reign of Jesus over all things. Man, our God got it done. You know, sometimes we feel like our lives are falling apart and we deal with things that are extremely difficult. This, this statement's not to minimize any of the tragedies that, that, we have been, that we, some of us have endured or are enduring, the pain, the hurt. But in and through it all, look at, look at all of history. In and through it all, God reigns and God is working for His glory and our good, good ultimately, even when we can't understand it. I always go back to Acts chapter 2 as Peter is preaching the gospel. And he says there that evil men with wicked hands killed the Savior. But it says there it was all part of God's plan to save the world. God took the worst thing that ever happened in human history, the most unjust crime, the most heinous crime that's ever happened. They killed an innocent man, but not just an innocent man. They killed the son of the living God. And yet in the worst thing that ever happened, God worked the best thing that could ever happen, that will ever happen. This is how our God works. Our God reigns. In the fullness of time, Jesus came and we have a Savior. Let's go tell 
that good news to the world. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, we praise you for your word and how we can look in it and see one point after another when you made a promise and renewed your promise and further developed your promise about Christ to come. And then you orchestrated all the details so that at just the right time and just the right place, Jesus came. The Lamb of God was born. And about 30 years later, he hung on a tree as the sacrifice. The only sacrifice that could really ever atone for sin. And in his death and resurrection, he redeemed all who will ever trust him. There is salvation for the world. Oh God, I pray that if there's anyone here today, maybe they didn't come in thinking about trusting Christ. Maybe they just are here for whatever reason, God, but there's no, there's no accidents, there's no coincidences. God, I pray that if, if, they don't, if someone here doesn't know you, that today would be the day. With the simple faith of a child, God, let them come to you. Admit their sin. Believe that Jesus is who he says he is. He is who God's word declares him to be. He's done what, he's, what it says he's done. And God, may they turn from sin and turn to Christ and confess him as Lord and Savior as their only hope, but with confidence as their sure hope. Jesus, you are more than sufficient as our Savior. Thank you for your amazing grace. And God, for us, your people, may we just be so encouraged by what we've seen today that as we interact with folks around this holiday season, as Christmas carols are played, maybe even in the workplace, as we interact with neighbors and family, God, open our mouths with boldness to talk about how you perfectly timed it all for the birth of Jesus, that the world might be saved and that we might be the sons of God, the daughters of God. Lord, we love you, we thank you, and we praise you for this time. We look to you and we wait on you to work and answer to our prayer, even as we sing now. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand together and worship in song. This altar is open for you to respond however you need to. If you need to meet Jesus today, please don't go home this Christmas season without knowing him personally. I'll be right here at the front. If you have a prayer need, you want to bring that to the Lord here, come. Others, other believers will surround you and, and pray with you for those things. Whatever you need this morning as we sing.
God's people said, amen, amen. You may be seated for just a moment. Thank you, worship team, for that. Beautiful this morning. And just let's just say thank you again to our children. How, how awesome of a start to the service that was. Thank you, kids, for that time of worship again. 